Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is CJ, and our topic of conversation is homosexuality, why the world misinterprets the Christian view about homosexuality. CJ, this is a polarizing topic. Um, I'm excited to get into this with you. Um, And really, we're going to have this open dialogue about something that's very controversial that normally people's ears shut down when you say the word homosexuality. It forces us sometimes to choose a side left or right, and then the conversation stops because we label each other. So this show is not about that. This show is about removing all the labels, and it's not even about who you are as a guest and what you've done and all your great accomplishments in your life because you're very successful. It's about what do you stand for in this topic. So I just want to invite you to the show. However, our audience likes context. Uh, What's the industry you work in? What do you do specifically? Well, I'm in the financial service business. Um, I'll keep the details more or less uh, for another time. But um, I, I uh, grew up in the church uh, and really didn't understand uh, Christianity, I think, entirely until I was about 19. I got baptized. Um, I, I became a Christian, I believe, at 14, but mm. I don't think I really understood the, the decision until I was about 19. Got it. Uh, got baptized. I got married at 20, had a baby at 21. Whoa. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm impatient, uh, <laughs> I guess you could say. But, um, but yeah, so I, I go to a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm conservative in my views, but I'm definitely not, um, I would say I'm definitely not somebody that um, would accept anything. Um, I am not a status quo person. Mm. I question everything. And, um, and you know, I, I try to keep my mindset that way, uh, even as I might become more s- uh, solid in my beliefs. Mm-hmm. I try to keep at least that approach. Okay, so that's, just to clarify, that's how God wired your brain, your intellect. Right, right. You like to ask questions. You like to stay curious. Yes, Is that correct? absolutely. Cool. Got it. Awesome. So I'd like to start every episode with a very broad question, and then we'll deep dive into our topic today, okay? So CJ, why do you think the world is not working right now? So, well, you know, along the lines of the subcontext, I think, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of anger when it comes to... Um, the, the topic like there's very there's very polarized opinions mm. especially within the realm of Christianity when it comes to homosexuality right and that's kind of our topic today um, but I think that the the Christian Church uh, as a whole has lost uh, control of the conversation uh, because I think that you know there there's I think the world definitely misinterprets how Christianity views homosexuality and the idea of what sin is even uh, is is kind of lost in in translation. Mm. Um, so, so if I, you had to kind of like summarize or, or capture one thought there uh, of why the world isn't working right now, you would say what? I'd say people aren't c- curious enough. How do you mean that? Like they, you know, people people hear a comment or or some statement and they stop right there and they don't ask questions. They don't try to figure out what people actually mean. So they put up the walls because your opinion's different than my opinion. So now the wall's up and the conversation stopped. Is Correct. Correct. Right. And then and there's, you know, there's just not enough curiosity. I don't mm. think, I think that's one of the reasons. And, and it's, and it's not so much curi- like it's curiosity and understanding other people's views mm. and you know how, like not necessarily curiosity and how the world works, but it's, it's in people because ultimately, uh, you know, you, you know, if you could live in a, in a shell and never talk to a person ever again, you know, then you probably wouldn't have any problems. Right. So, mm. you know, it's, you know, other people can, are, are, I mean, we're built to have relationships to some yeah. degree. So, so like what's showing up for me right now, what you're saying, like you said, if you could live in a shell and just walk around your own little bubble, isn't that what we're doing? Yes. Exactly. I mean, let's be honest, except we're the, bumping into other bubbles. Yeah. Exactly. And acting like their bubble doesn't matter. It's right. only my bubble. Yeah, and 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 yeah, exactly. And why 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 should I know anybody else's opinion? 
right? Mm. Like, why should I understand anybody else's stance? And even, even beyond, like, it's not even necessarily shutting down at, even if you do completely understand someone else's opinion, going beyond that of understanding the person and then recognizing that they're an actual human being, yes, I think has definitely been lost. Yeah. And you know, I also will add to that, uh, learning their story is, is very powerful for me. It's rather than like, I've sat with homeless people, right? And I'm not patting myself on the shoulder. I'm just saying I've sat with homeless people and I didn't just give them money, but I actually asked them about their life and they would open up and share their story. And all of a sudden, the way they looked, the way they smelt, the way they occurred to me totally changed. Now I was sitting with my equal, having a conversation with just a guy or a gal who used to be a kid who struggled, who came from brokenness, or didn't come from brokenness, but then had a traumatic event when they were 40, their wife and kid. I've heard the story from homeless gentlemen. They were very successful in the financial space, like making hundreds of thousands of of dollars per year, and they get a call from the police. Your wife and kids were in a car accident, and they've been killed. And they went in total shock. And they shut down. Something inside of them shut down because their wife and kids were their, their world. And in those moments, what happened was they, they just stopped. They stopped life. Bills kept coming in. They stopped paying them. They didn't think to pay them. They were just in this paralysis. They'd go into, into work, and they couldn't function. And before they know it, they're evicted, and they're out on the street. And that could happen to any one of us, right? So knowing people's story, I think, is huge. And even if you have a different worldview than I, what's your story? How did you arrive at that worldview is, is what I'm hearing you say right now, CJ, is like the curiosity. How did you get to that way of thinking? And I'm not, I don't need to make you wrong. And you don't need to make me wrong. Let's hear each other. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. And, well, and I think um, whenever you understand someone's perspective historically speaking uh kind of how they got to where they're at sometimes you can identify with them Mm. and then you're you're able to get a play i mean especially in christianity like you know uh love god love your neighbor right so those are the two you know jesus quoted those two as being the The greatest commands the greatest commands. so Mm -hmm. you know you can't really love your neighbor if you don't know who your neighbor is yes it's it's going to be very difficult for you to love somebody when you don't know anything about them uh, and, you know, and, and I think that that allows you to peel back the onion mm. uh, enough, you know, knowing their story to be able to really appreciate who they are as an individual. Yeah, I get that. So let's deep dive into this conversation, right? Because I, I know our listeners, you're listening right now and you're like, would you get to the, the topic here? You made me click on on this episode, right? Because it said homosexuality and Christian in the same title. And it's those are polarizing words in the same title. And then it says, you know, how the world misinterprets uh, the Christian uh, worldview of homosexuality, if you will. So let's go there, CJ. What, first off, in your opinion... What is the Christian worldview? And obviously you come from the, the Baptist um, uh, formation, faith tradition. So how, how it's occurred in your faith experience, what is the Christian worldview of homosexuality? So um, the way the world views it or the way it actually Sorry, is? Sorry, the Christian view of homosexuality. Got it. Okay, so um, you know, I know that there's probably going to be a lot of Christians listening to this who might not agree so I'm going to put that out there. Um, I think it's definitely one of those more uh, aggressive topics uh, that, that we take on. And, and it, you know, I think that um, uh, there's, it, you know, Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun. So what we're talking about today, I hope people, especially Christians, know enough about the Bible and can understand where we come from enough to know that this is nothing new. What we're talking about today is actually nothing new, but rather... It might be something new because the, the, the media and the way that uh, the news effectively portrays the opinion of how Christianity views homosexuality is, is, is what's um, really leading people down a, a place where they, they misunderstand it. Mm. So when um, I think part of it uh, was early on, because and, and I've always had a lot of—so um, I, was, I was in drama— 
uh, I was in chorus, I was in band, I was in orchestra, I was in everything where, you know, creative type people were. And so I had a lot of friends who were um, homosexual. And so from a very young age, I was exposed to that because I had a lot of friends that, that were. And uh, I, think, um, I think it wasn't until I was about 16 that I did a study on James. And in James, it separates uh, temptation from sin. And I think a lot of the time people blur the two. They think that just because I'm tempted with something, that must mean that that, that is the sin. Mm. But even in Genesis, when Eve looked at the apple, the temptation uh, of, of eating that fruit came before she, she acted out on it. Right. So, so temptation precedes sin. James is very clear and draws the line between temptation, sin, and then spiritual death. Yeah. And the m- I think that's important that you're distinguishing the difference here and the separation of the two. One be- precedes the other. Right. Yeah. And so temptation, you know, we all are tempted in, mm-hmm. in some way. Uh, Jesus himself was tempted so, by the devil. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you go back in scripture, like, well, even the son of God, right, was tempted, but the son of God never sinned. And that's another another place in scripture that we can clearly define the difference between temp- the temptation itself and this and the sinful part of it. Now, in Matthew chapter five, Jesus draws that uh, that line in the sand, if you will, of if a man should lust after a woman, then he has committed adultery with her in, her, in his heart. And when you take a step back for a second, it, he kind of just basically called out heterosexuals uh, to saying that it's not even the act of, of, of having intercourse with a female, mm. where, where that, that's not where the line is drawn. The mm. line is drawn even before in the mind of, of imagining, mm. right? The, the lust, the, the actual... That, that's where the line is drawn. So, mm-hmm. so the temptation is being hetero. Like, I, I'm tempted because I'm a heterosexual. I'm tempted because I am a homosexual. But the sinful part of it doesn't actually become, be, become like the, 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 that part of it. I don't get to a sin mm-hmm. until there's an imaginary thought or an act. Mm-hmm. And those two things then birth spiritual death in James. So I get what you're saying, right? And I'd just like to uh, clarify some parts of that, right? Because you just broke down some really good, interesting points, I think. So what I'm hearing you say is that uh, the temptation itself is not sinful. The temptation itself is not wrong inherently, right? It's actually good, right? It's, well, it's, it's Well, follow me for a second, okay. right? So it's choosing natural good, right? Which means what God created, Okay, so some choose a man, some choose a woman, right? But it's the natural good rather than choosing God's best, right? Which is what God calls us to do. Now, Jesus comes and he disrupts it even more, right? And he says, listen, when you even take that temptation, that thought, which isn't wrong in in itself, but what you do with the thought could either be used for good or not, right? So if you take an action in your imagination and start dwelling upon it and creating the visualized uh, images of you doing the act with the girl, that in itself, God says, is the lesser good. That in itself is sinful. You're choosing yourself over what, uh, over God, right? And whether... And if with your homosexual, uh, if there's a homosexual temptation, man towards a man, it's the same thing as what I'm hearing you say is that it's not the temptation itself. It's what do you do with it? Now, can a man, uh, is it wrong for a man to lust about another man in his mind, but never act upon it? Well, oh, yeah. Oh, that, so, um, well, Matthew 5. So it would be equal would say, whether you're lusting for a woman or a man. It says, it's still adultery. That's that that's biblical. I yes. would say that's biblical. It's adultery either way. And you know, uh, God did design the marriage as uh, man, man and female, right? So, and we would say, well, you know, a man can marry a man. Okay, well, if you look at Scripture, there's actually there's actually very clear Scripture, and it doesn't even. You know what's funny about Scripture is that homosexuality, the word, 
I don't believe. So this is this is where we get into a little gray area, especially when it comes to scripture, because I don't want to say anything that I don't know absolutely sure. I'm one of those guys, mm. um, but I I believe that homosexuality was not in the original uh, uh, manuscripts. But I believe it, it actually instead of saying homosexual homosexual, it, it just says men who have sex with men and women who have sex with women. Or so it breaks it down. It, it breaks it simpler. down. Even, I mean, it just, it goes into, like, there's like, no gray area. There is, like, it does not leave any detail out. And that's one thing, you know, it's funny, because I've, I've got a, I've got a daughter who's really into the Bible, and even, even her being young, I mean, she's, you know, she's nine. She's curious. Um, but, you know, she's, like, there are some things that we know that we've got to kind of guide her around, like, because it's like, well, she, you know, may, maybe, she, maybe she's, a, I, you know, we don't really know how to approach that subject with a nine-year-old, so we're just going to avoid it altogether, at least until she's a little older. Um, and, you know, it's probably going to, I mean, we live in a world like she's going to hear it from somebody else eventually it, right it, it's funny because it's like you're like as parents you're probably wrestling with listen we have we're not even up to having to talk about the birds and the bees do you really think i'm yeah, gonna have a talk about exactly. the bees and the bees yes with her yes. like seriously exactly and that's but i think but i think that's a that's a very good thing i mean when you look at scripture and how it and how it breaks it down to even go that from you know and then it um there's even like i i, I wish i had uh prepared a little bit more as far as scripture today um, but there's, there's a couple spots in there where it even, it's not even like sex. It's like men who do things that are not, um, I'd have to find the scripture, but it, it, it it's not even just that it's like shameful things, like mm-hmm. men who do shameful things to other men. So mm-hmm. it, it's kind of interesting how that plays out because if, if it was okay for a man to marry a man, mm-hmm. then, then that part of scripture right mm-hmm. there's no scripture that suggests that there would ever be a, an okay time for a man to marry a man yeah and so since since it's since it's clear on that um i think it's safe to say that you know um unfortunately i know a lot of people who are christians who try to like to reason their way i mean there's videos of pastors accepting homosexuality i think there are pastors nowadays that will marry uh, a man and a man um, and so, you know, uh, their hermeneutics is, is a little backwards. Let me ask you a question, right? And this is not meant to be theological. Uh, however, if those pastors marry a man and a man, right? We say marry. Uh, is that a valid marriage in the eyes of God? Yeah, that's a, I mean, I, I, I mean, reverting back to what we just talked about, I, I, I would have to make the assumption of, of no. Gotcha. So I, I could jump in on this. I would say it's absolutely not, right? And and I'll I'll draw that definitive line. The reason why, if you believe God's word is God's word, uh, divinely inspired, right? And that is the Bible. And if we believe in that, and we stand in that truth, then we have to stand in all of it is God's truth, right? So, in that same context, God's word cannot conflict with God's word. And, and that's that's something to get really present to, is that if God is truth, truth cannot cannibalize truth, right? It, it right. can't eat itself, right? right? Otherwise, it would exist. Philosophically it, Otherwise, speaking, yes. it could not exist as truth. It right. would no longer be truth, right? right. So God's word, and, and this is an argument that comes up, uh, you know, with the world's view of homosexuality uh, versus the Christian view of homosexuality is, well, well listen, that was 2,000 years ago. You know, when homosexuality was spoken about and, and yeah, we get it back then, but now we need to be tolerant and, you know, it's present times and we just need to get past that. And it's like, well, wait a second. If you truly believe, and I know I just hit a hot button for you. If you truly believe as a Christian that the Bible is God's word, then whether it's 2000 years or 2 million years later, it cannot go against itself. It can't be in conflict with itself. Otherwise, it's no longer truth. So if God said 2,000 years ago holy, that homosexuality is an abomination to him, that means it still is and it will be forever. And I know I just went there, and you know I'm not, I'm not fearful, bro. It's like this is what this show is about is to speak truth. Now, listen, I get it. You're listening right now, and you're like, hold on, Joseph. You know, it's like I, I grew up a certain way, and— and I'm, a, I'm just going to get real and a little polarizing, right? Um, and I know CJ is going to lean into that and be like, okay, well, if you are, then I am. Um, and that's cool. Is, listen, you know, I, the labels, the labels are what get me, CJ. Yeah. 
And I'm going to go right. here for a second. The labels are what get me. And, and no offense to you, however, you did it earlier. And it's because we've been so trained by the media to speak a certain way when we use the labels. And this whole thing that I'm gay or you're gay, this labeling, what we're saying in our actual words is you in your actual being are this yeah and i think i think that's a good point yeah and this is a very important distinguishing thing and this is why i think the conversation gets so volatile Mm -hmm. is because if i keep saying to myself that i am who as far as who i am in my being is the very act that i'm doing and i no longer have a distinction there that when you say the act is wrong i take it as if you're saying i am wrong and that is where I get angry and hostile, and I want to fight back, and the conversation stops. So, you know, I'm what? Glad, it, I'm yeah, glad jump you in. Brought, I'm glad you brought up that point because I think that was one thing that I, I didn't, I had here on my notes that I didn't mention before. But the the other part of it was um, uh, uh, along the lines of labeling. Um, when it, um, you know, how many lies do you have to tell before you're a liar? One. It's really one, right? Mm. Like. And does that mean you're forever labeled a liar, right? Like no, it, it's it, a be, it's a choice, it's a behavior. Right. We have free will. I I also don't think we understand temptation, or at least I don't understand temptation to the degree that I could say temptation is neither good nor bad, but rather it's something that just inherently is within mankind. Correct. And so I would say temptation is meaningless I mean, until we give it a meaning. And I'm gonna have temptation to lie, right? I'm gonna have temptation to uh, I don't know. Um, I would say, like, there's there's temptation that comes around. Road rage. Road rage. That's perfect one right there. Um, you know, th- there's going to be temptation to do things. Like, it doesn't have, it, you know, understanding that temptation alone is just something that's inherently inside of us that comes from places that maybe we don't necessarily know the origin of or the or the, the real purpose behind them. Like, as you said something earlier of, like, you know, temptation is a, is a good thing. It's like, well, I guess it just depends on what you're being tempted on. Right. And I don't know if you meant it that way, but but that, I yeah, probably didn't. And just to c- um, correct uh, how I occurred, not that temptation is a good thing. However, we are tempted towards good things. Right. Just That's as much what as I mean things. by that. Just However, God calls us to his best, not just to the good things around us of nature stuff. Right. right. Each other. Right. We want to lust after each other. These are these are natural creations that right. God created God wants us to choose him and his best and yeah. I'm and, and I'm not labeled by my temptations that's bing 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 that's huge right and and I'm going to go here for a second and just break it down into everyday common language right because I really want to break this down uh so the label of you know I'm gay he's gay she's gay all that it it it's connecting the behavior with the identity and I think that's where we get into trouble, CJ, is when we connect the behavior with the person's identity. Now, think about it this way, right? The Bible speaks equally about homosexuality and adultery. They're both wrong. They're both sinful, whether you're heterosexual and you do it outside of marriage or you're homosexual and you do it outside of marriage. Both wrong. Both wrong. They're both adultery, period, 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 whether it's a guy and a guy or a guy and a girl it, or a girl and a girl, right? It's adultery. God condemns adultery, right? Now we could get into the whole marriage. What is marriage? What is a civil union? And that whole conversation. However, I want to just clear this point here, right? The label. Why don't we just say, right? Because I'm a guy, right? And I mess up. And, you know, think about all the guys in college, right? And they're doing the frat parties. And they're just sleeping around with all the girls and everything like that. Do they walk around identifying themselves as, hey, I'm an adulterer? No. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why don't I, they identify themselves as their behavior? Yeah. They're doing it. They right. won't deny they're doing it. They actually, you know, it's like, hey, I, I slept with so-and-so. Hey, I did this. Hey, I did, you know, guess how many girls I've been with, right? They're proud of the sinful behavior that they're doing, right. yet they don't identify with it. Why? Because they actually get that they're distinct from each other. So why, when we behave men with men, we they identify themselves as the behavior. Hey, I'm gay. Right. Or, hey, I'm well, homosexual. And I, and I think that comes back to even more, like, just the culture. Uh, it comes back to the culture, right, and how we're we're glorifying one sin. Yes, 
over and and then yes 100 percent. well and like i think that even now culture is moving towards glorifying homosexuality to some degree right well and that's now, my point we're glorifying now, the the behavior right gotcha yeah and um, we're connecting it to people's identity so that i can't disagree with the behavior without making you wrong as a person yeah right and that's what the media has done a brilliant uh job of doing yeah maybe full disclosure like you know i've had a lot of homosexual friends growing up i still do i love them as much as i do any of my heterosexual friends i do not identify them you know like like they're they're not they're not that label to me like that you know if yeah you know if, if i were to tell somebody about them i probably wouldn't even mention that they're homosexual i'd probably tell them that they love boating Right. They love shooting guns. They love fishing. Right. But I would not yeah. I, I don't think I would even consider like those those come those are labels that come before, you know, the fact that they're homosexual. Uh, yeah. So homosexual. I'm, I'm going to jump in on this because this is a pet peeve of mine. Right. So I would even back it up further and say, listen, they're not homosexual. Right. They choose homosexual behavior and lifestyle. Right. That is completely different and distinct, and I gotta mm-hmm. really stand in this. That's I good. really do because that's where the conversation is having a breakdown. Okay, right. You're not the sin. You never will be. You you have free will, and you may have temptation in one direction or another. You have the free will to choose and to act upon it. And there are there are gay pastors right now trying to take control over this conversation. I'm sure you could Google this and find several. There, you know. So just to clarify, and I'm not being a whatever, so there are Ask pastors <laughs> yes. that choose the homosexual uh, lifestyle. No, they no, don't what do you choose mean? it. They're married to females. They have kids. But they would. I, but they they say that they're they're gay in that that was they're their tempted. temptation. But that is not. The, what the lifestyle that they choose so they've they've transformed yeah, is what think, i'm hearing you well, say so I they've think, given up that i think that the temptation, temptation i think the temptation is always there i don't yeah, think yeah, the yeah. temptation necessarily went away um i'm sure it's a kind of a case-by-case basis uh the, i heard of one recently that you know who's married to a woman still talks about you know that he still has temptation towards that he has a slant towards it but that's not um uh it's not uh how you say uh, his, um, that's not how he goes about telling people about it. Right? He, mm-hmm. he tells people, look, I have the temptation, but I, I make the decision. The, the you know, the, that I that choose, I choose, I choose, I to choose not, God's I, will. I choose. Yeah. And you know, I don't even, you know, he, he, the story goes where he is, um, uh, how do you say, uh, he's not necessarily like he, he didn't have, any kind of sexual feeling towards his wife, his now wife. Um, but, but it wasn't until later on in the relationship that he, that it changed. There was something, there was a, there was a point in time where after he got close to her, you know, he appreciated her beauty, Mm. right? Like he, he really enjoyed her company. And then there was a point in time where like they kissed. And then there was a time when, you know, her thigh thigh touched his thigh and he was actually sexually aroused uh, by, by her, right? By a female. By a female. And so he, you know, walking in, in, in choosing and deciding, and it's not something you do one time and it's done. Like Mm. you don't, you don't wake up one morning and decide, yeah, I'm never going to lie again. Like it is something that you're, that is a situational thing. Right, like I don't think any heterosexual male wakes up one day and says, "You know what? I'm never going to lust after a woman again." Right, like it's not, it's not like it, it's not. You know, you, you that is something that you have to moment by moment, day by day, you have to recommit yourself to that, that that mentality, and and continue walking on that path. And it's not something where you just wake up one day and it's all fixed. I get that, right? However, I would create another little distinction: declaring it in the moment, you can have a transformation. Literally choosing out loud, verbally, God, I don't know why I was born with these tendencies. I don't know why. And it's difficult. However, I read your law. I read your commands. I read about your best for my life. And it says not to act upon these homosexual tendencies and temptations within me. And I declare, I commit Give me the grace. Give me the help. I choose your will over my own, even over my own natural tendencies, right? And I think that's a very important thing 
is to choose God and declare it. And if you do, in that moment, God can and will be present because you're honoring his will, his request, and he will give you the graces in those moments. Will you still struggle? Absolutely. The same way I still struggle with sexual temptation with beautiful women. That is my vice. I know my vice. I've played in the playground. I've created a lot of the consequences for myself. Listen, if you build a muscle, it gets stronger and it needs to be constantly replenished, right? So if you act on the, the behavior of homosexuality, you're going to create even stronger desires and tendencies of homosexuality within yourself. If you act you know, and build the muscle of adultery and having sex before marriage, you're going to create the chemical uh, need, the chemical fuel requirement, you're going to light that fire hotter than it's ever burned before and, and make it more difficult to resist the temptation as it comes. What shows up for you, CJ? Well, I think, um, so I, there's something that just can't, the, just the thought of it came to my mind. I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is, uh, so I, I, I hesitate to even say this only because I don't want people listening to this to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. But so not to compare it to this, right? To, but I, well, maybe, yeah. You know what? I'm going to compare all temptation and all sin to, to, to one thing, to this thing. So even in the Christian world, there's something else that's very, very, very much taboo as far as a topic is concerned because people tend to be split and divided by it. Mm-hmm. Alcohol. Okay. Some people struggle with alcohol. Some people mm-hmm. are alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Some people, like me, I like I. I just, I don't feel good when I drink alcohol. I don't feel, I hate it. Like, I just feel like, just kind of like mud. Uh, just, you know, so it's never really been a it temptation. It tastes like mud. Yeah, yeah. well, Some I, of I don't it. know. I love beer. I oh, love okay. the taste of beer. I, I'll tell it. you what, I, I would love to drink. I, I, I recently, probably within the last three months, I just uh, decided to never have alcohol ever again. Now, you'd say, well, CJ, like, why? Like, and, yeah. and that's not because I think alcohol is a sin. Right. Like alcohol, that would be alcohol in itself is not intrinsically evil. Right. And it's the abuse of it. Well, and like, I think that, you know, when you, I mean, when you look at scripture, do not get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the spirit. Right. That's scriptural. Um, And, you know, you, but when you look at alcohol in general, there are people that have ruined their lives because of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they've, they've been addicted to alcohol. And so not, you know, I think this is more or less just to maybe give some more context to listeners as far as what to what else to compare, you know, temptation and sin and this whole thing to. Maybe that would be a, a, another way of clarifying it of, you know, like alcohol in and of, of itself is not the, 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 the worst part. Right. It's what we do with it. And it's how it, it affects us mentally. It's how it makes us make decisions. And, you know, it, there's a there's there's some people that struggle with it and some people that don't. And there are people that I know that as far as lust with women, they really don't struggle with it. And then there are other guys that are like, like it is their vice, right? It it's is their that, mission it's in life. Like, it, yeah. So, you know, it, it, I think it's definitely a situational thing. And I think uh, case by case basis. And I hope no one thinks that I'm comparing homosexuality, alcoholism. That's not what I'm doing at all. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it all under the same umbrella. I'm putting temptation and sin all under the same umbrella as mm. far as, you know, whether it be. It's the desires of the heart. Right. Is, is what I'm hearing you say, right? right? And some lead us down paths that could be good. Uh, others lead us down paths that, are, again, are not God's best for us. The underlying message in any of these topics, in my opinion, of every show, every episode I do, is the Father, God the Father's love for you and for me. How much he loves us, how much he desires to give us his best, to give us a life of abundance, And, you know, we're talking here uh, with CJ, and the topic is why the world misinterprets the Christian view about homosexuality. And I think really where the conversation is lost is that uh, Christians tend to come at this conversation with a a self-righteousness, a holier-than-thou position, uh, making the person wrong positioning, and that is it, that creates unworkability, just straight up. It just creates unworkability. We can't have this open dialogue. I have many friends who choose the homosexual lifestyle. I do. Does that mean I don't associate them with them? No, it doesn't. I, they're 
caring people. There are guys that go to my church. They're evidently uh, choosing the homosexual lifestyle. Whether what they're doing behind, behind closed doors, I don't know if it's still active. It's not my business. However, they're showing up at church wanting. There's a hole in their heart that can only be filled with the thumbprint of their father in heaven. And we tend to, in our human brokenness, I think, CJ, we tend to uh, try to fill that void, that fingerprint that only God can access and fill for us in our heart. We try to fill it with all the natural good in the world, all the red, shiny apples. And homosexuality is just another red, shiny apple, right? It just is. Now, it's a red, shiny apple that God himself in scripture says, do not eat of this fruit. And man in our selfishness and our brokenness keep choosing to disobey and rebel and choose the lesser good. And there's consequences when we do that. There just are. Now I see something's happening and you, phys- I see you're, you're choked up right now. What's occurring for you? What's showing up? Well, I think that, um, I think just the, like, I don't want anyone ever to walk away from this podcast and not hear exactly what you're saying as far as instead of my brokenness shouldn't keep me from God, it should bring me to God. And and knowing that God is all truth and all love, right? Like, like love without truth is enabling. It's incomplete. Yeah. Truth without love, though, is just cold, hard, like facts right and there's no you know so when you combine the two when you understand god is truth and love mm. god god does not our our brokenness you know recognizing our brokenness surrendering that uh repenting a, a, as you know for whatever like i mean oh, it's going to be over and over again for some you know mm. some people can like i could i could repent on one thing and be like done with it forever and then there's other things that i can repent for from like on a daily moment to moment basis right so just just I hope that listeners really can can sense that mm. that we 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 have felt um, go there we've felt the forgiveness probably many times and that is something I hold on to every day and I return to every day and Christ paid like salvation. I hear that a lot of time Christians say salvation is free. It's not free. It was paid for. And it was paid for on that cross. And we still, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. Celebrate death. Death is gone. Jesus did away with death when he rose again. That was, that was the final piece of death. And when we say death, we mean spiritual death. Spiritual death, death. yes. Because yes. non-believer, the Bible says non-believers die twice. They die a physical death and then a spiritual death. But, um, but you know, believers die once. And and so, you know, there's there's an eternal part of our, of our conversation that is, uh, is has not been prevalent. But there is, you know, that decision in Christ, that decision to to know that through Christ I have access to a, to a God— that that by recognizing his son, I mean, the scripture says it over and over again, recognizing Christ, you know, repentance and and just being, I mean, even, you know, if, you, if you've never heard of the prodigal son, look up the prodigal son, returning to the father and just, you know, in, in, in brokenness and mm-hmm. under and just wanting that personal relationship. My salvation didn't get real until it got personal. Mm. And I think that just recognizing that, you know, you can talk about facts and facts and figures and things like that. And we can, you know, we can hash out a lot of things as far as the Bible and Christianity. But I think ultimately, you know, recognizing that God is a personal God. God left the 99 sheep to go get the one. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google, you know, Google it because it, it'll come right up, I'm sure. Um, but I think God is for the one. And, and when people can really recognize that and, and understand that God loves them, then I think it's uh, salvation becomes much more clear. Thanks for going there. I know that wasn't easy for you. And uh, I see tears in your eyes, brother. And um, 
obviously there's a story there, right? There's a story of God's love, God's forgiveness on your life. I love what you just said, and I just want to, you know, I'm probably going to repeat it somewhere along the lines. Uh, You said religion doesn't get real until it gets personal. And that is so true. And we can argue with people and debate back and forth, you know, intellect against intellect. At the end of the day, you're not going to persuade someone into conversion. You're just not. And we had this conversation earlier, earlier this today, morning, yeah. right? And and here you are showing <laughs> up with it, which is, it's amazing how God works, right? Is your heart needs to be at that moment, has to be vulnerable, has to be open to God's love. And in that, God will give you freedom. He will set you free from the those deepest um, um, temptations in our, in our lives. I, I openly share some of my humiliating uh, things that I wrestle with on this show. And listen, sexual addiction uh, occurs um, both heterosexually and homosexually, right? And sexual addiction is where the problem lies. And it, yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's just like, that's something I've had to take to the Lord and, and just say, you know, Lord, I'm broken. I've created you know, these, this vice in my life. And it's like, sometimes I feel like I I can control it. Other times I don't think I can. And I literally need your help in this. And it's a a dying to ourself and our own temptations, our own weakness, our our human brokenness, as CJ is saying there. So what's going on in your life? What's that vice? What is it for you that God wants you to surrender to him? And with his power, he will help you to triumph over it and give you freedom and his peace and the greater good that he has planned for you. So today, you know, again, our topic is, you know, why the world misinterprets the Christian view about homosexuality. And I know this was, you know, 40 minutes to get to this point. And here's the point. I want to land this plane here. CJ is the reason why I think the world misinterprets the Christian view about homosexuality is because many Christians present the view of homosexuality like you said without love without compassion and they just give the cold hard truth well here's why god said no and as little kids we don't like when mom and dad say no do we not normally no we say you're wrong i want it anyway right and, and that's what we are. We're still children spiritually, and we have a heavenly Father who loves us tremendously. And there's certain things he says no to because he sees where they're going to lead us. He sees the dangers. He sees that they're going to make us run out into traffic, and we're going to hurt ourselves. We don't see it yet. We're still kids. Homosexuality is one of those things. It's one of those things that, listen, if you're tempted with it, you're not wrong. Okay, this isn't about you being wrong. This is about you surrendering it to God and saying, Lord, I don't know why I have the temptation. However, you're telling me don't do it. And I I acknowledge that you're my father. You obviously have a reason. I don't get the reason. I may never get the reason, but I give it to you anyway. And the more severe the temptation, the more of a gift it is, the more love it is when you give it back to your father. And you just surrender to him, right? And again, it doesn't matter if it's heterosexuality or homosexuality. Adultery is adultery is adultery is adultery. And I need to really stand in that. And you get that. One adultery is not worse than the other adultery. They're both adultery and they're both condemned by God, period. So if I hire a prostitute and I go and have sex with her, right, outside of marriage, and I'm a married guy, right, God says, no, that is wrong. It's going to hurt you. Don't do that, right? There's going to be consequences. Yes, you have the free will to do it, but don't. Or you go out and, and you have sex with another guy. If you're a guy or you're a girl and, and you, you do you know gay activities with a, another female, God says, no, it's wrong. Don't do it. It's not what I created you for. I created you to be loved by one person right? Of the opposite gender. Why? Because, and this is what we forget, because we're so caught up in ourselves, CJ. We forget that marriage has one main outcome, procreation. It's about 
procreating the human species. And God gives us that gift, right? Now, the, the, the other gifts, the rewards he gives us when we participate in the co-creation of humanity, he gives us the intimacy. He gives us the love, the passion, the fire, the desires, the human attraction, sexual attraction between a man and a woman. All those are given to us. So I just want to give context, right? Because I can't just have the conversation with love and compassion without sharing the truth. And we definitely can't have the conversation that we've been having for too long in society with truth, 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 and not God's love and compassion. What's showing up? Well, there's there's one last thing that I think um, that I think w- has helped me in the past, and I think might help listeners. Is there's there's actually a, a scripture that um, I, I commonly refer to, and it's First Corinthians ten thirteen, and it says, and this is really this is kind of funny. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Again, it's 1 Corinthians 10.13. So that, that's actually a memory, memory verse recently. With a, uh, there's a group that I meet with every week. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a, a group to, uh, for accountability, but also mm-hmm. because we have certain scriptures that we memorize. And um, I think that I commonly refer to that, back to that, especially when, when tempted. Um, because I mean, just thinking no temptation has overcome you except for what is common to mankind. I mean, like, you know, you're not alone. Like, exactly. You're people, not the only one struggling with this. One. So, I, it, but God always provides a way out. God always provides a way out. If you go to him. Yeah. If you go to him, it doesn't mean you just sit on, sit in it and don't ask for help and say, well, God obviously didn't take it away. So this is the way I was born. This is the way, this is who I am. Who I am is what I do. That is incorrect. It is so incorrect. Okay. You know, CJ, you're in the financial space, right? I run co-working spaces. Does that mean who I am is a landlord? It's my identity of who I am, right? It's my actual being. No, it's not. It's just something I do. Right. When I if I choose to sleep with women outside of marriage, that doesn't make me a an adulterer in my innermost being because I could change that tomorrow. I could change a behavior tomorrow. So does that mean I'm constantly changing who I am at day to day based on my behavior? No. Your identity is not found in your behavior. Your behavior is an outcome of your identity. And I think that's very important to get. Your identity is found in your father in heaven. And sometimes we miss that. So we search for our identity in in the things of the world, the fleshy things. And homosexuality is a thing that is becoming trendy right now in this era as a way to identify. Well, this is who I am. Well, my relationships with girls weren't working out. So, well, let me explore with guys. Oh, guys get me. Well, duh, they're guys. You're a guy. Of course they're going to get you. Girls are going to get girls. It just makes sense. We're not meant to get the other gender. We're not, right? It's opposites attract. It's meant to be work. It's meant to be sacrifice. That's what love is. Love is sacrifice. It's a giving and it's a dying to oneself for the other. That's love. That's what Jesus did for you. That's what he did for me. Whether you identify or, or practice the homosexual lifestyle, you are 100% loved by your Father in heaven equally to myself, to CJ, and every other human being on this planet. Please don't ever forget that. Take it to your Father. Take whatever you struggle with to your Father. He will give you freedom from it. Anything else you would like to add to this, CJ? Mm. No, I think... I think that's it. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure our listeners are like. No, I got something. I got something. You didn't cover this. Listen, it's a broad topic. It's not an easy topic. Well, however, if you're ever going to address the topic uh, with friends or non-friends, or you're on social media hiding behind your your keyboard, do it with love. Do it with love. Do it with love. <laughs> CJ is looking at me like. I get it. Got it. Awesome. All right. So, CJ, we uh, are now about to head into my favorite part of this show, which is the confession round. 
Okay. See what I did there? Broken Catholic confession. Yeah. 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 So there's Where's no the priest. priest. There's no priest, priest here. Oh, okay. I am not a priest. However, I am going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. Go. And you'll have about three seconds to answer each. Okay. Don't overthink them. Oh, First thing that comes to you. You ready? Okay. Gotcha. What's your favorite thing about being an adult? Oh, gosh. The numbers. What's your least favorite thing about being an adult? God, chores. <laughs> <laughs> Give us context. Like doing chores? <laughs> like doing chores, yeah. Okay, gotcha. I, what secret fear do you have about people? Um, that they're not going to like me. Hmm. If you could be anyone, just for fun, for the next seven days on the planet, who would you want to trade places with? Oh, goodness. Donald Trump. Cool. What do you wish you were better at? People. People? Give yeah, me context. Like, uh, I, I, I wish I was better at communicating um, uh, how I care for them. I, I wish I was better at relationships. Okay, I get that. What dream are you scared of pursuing? Ooh, um, uh, my career in politics. Mm. What makes you smile more than anything? My wife. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man. I think uh, oh, it's changed. I, I wanted to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Actually was for a little bit. No way. Did not know that about you. If you had the power to remove any one form of suffering tomorrow from the world, what would it be? Clean water for, for the entire world. No, no, no more people dying because they don't have clean water. Got it. Imagine sometime in the distant future and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Um, wow, my tombstone. Um, that, I, that I loved people, that I cared for them, and that... Um, you know, I, I stood for I stood for life in all forms, for the unborn, for um, you know, in all forms, life, just spiritual life, everything. Got it. When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? <laughs> is it is it too cliche to say, "Well done, good and faithful servant"? Is that, is Ma- that many cool? say it? I I I really would like to get a high five. Um, like that, I think I, there's something about a high five. I have five people in the, in the office when I'm walking by them in, in the hall and it's like the most, like, it's my, I don't know why, but it's your thing. my thing. Got and it. so, uh, yeah. So I, you want a high five from God when I, you show up? Yes. I get I, it. And I hope he's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so too. <laughs> and last question. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family, friends, and loved ones only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Give. Give abundantly as much as you can. Money, time, resources, resourcefulness, give. Got it. Thanks for joining us today on the show, and we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Joseph. You're welcome. Cheers. Friends, I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and remember that God the Father loves you, he's fascinated by you, and he wants to show you his awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with him, and I'll see you on the next show.